He's a senior pastor of the House of Faith Ministries. Please help me welcome up here Reverend Alfred Namiche. Put your hands together. Give a hand to the Lord. He is worthy of our praise. I said, Give a hand to the Lord. You can take your seat. Thank you, Bishop Bruce, for those kind words. Like I say everywhere, it is a privilege for us to speak on behalf of God. If there are about a million preachers in Ghana, and heaven favors you to be one of them, it's a great privilege. And wherever you're called upon by his mercies, you must submit to the will of God. I also want to honor Bishop Amo. As for Bishop, we talked and talked, but you didn't tell me your name. As for Amo, I know him. I've preached in his church. Nassim, yes. Bishop, God bless you too. And we also want to acknowledge our beloved brother, saint of God, Bishop Dark Heward Mills. For his obedience to God. And bringing about this great ministry that has spread across the nations of the world. We thank God for those of you who have been moving up and down to put together this conference. This afternoon I pray that I'll be able to add something to what the other men of God have already communicated the ministry of reverend ransford one of the great servants of god in this city and this country and dr douglas amen amen 
I asked Bishop, what do you want me to talk about? Then he said to me, I can't tell you what you must tell us. And that becomes a very big problem for me. This afternoon, I will share one of my burden messages with you. Something that can help you to be a leader with a great quality of loyalty. A leader that God can use you to transform and influence the lives of others for his glory. And God willing, tomorrow I will touch on leadership and church growth, especially with emerging churches. Before we open to scripture, let me just share some two things with you. There was a young minister in this country. He's a tremendous man of God. And when he started ministry, he went through all kinds of struggles. And a time came that our ministry have to help him. Then after some years, the Lord began to favor him to the nations. And I heard him preach and I listened to the tape. So boldly, I have to ask him to meet, meet me in London. And I had to really speak and rebuke him. Because in the tape, I realized that he's forgotten where he's coming from. He said, uh, You can invite me to come and preach in your church if you have no church building. When in the days we were trying to help him, his church was meeting under a tree. Sometimes in spiritual leadership, we forget where Christ picked us from. I have made a commitment to Jesus Christ that I want to be just as he found me. Many of you are aware I've been preaching for 46 years. But I pray that his grace and mercy will continue to help me to be a servant to the church. If you have your Bibles with you, can we first turn to Acts chapter 28, 
Acts chapter 28. Just give me time because I like the old Bible. Now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. And then we'll move to verse 7. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Piblius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went in to him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. Verse 10. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. This is a story about the Apostle Paul. In one of his travels, as they were heading towards Rome, on that journey, they encountered all kinds of trouble on the high seas. And eventually, they got grounded on the island of Malta. The Bible says the barbarians or the natives showed them unusual kindness. It was very cold and it was raining. And they really blessed Paul and his people. Then the chief man of that island entertained them courteously for three days. And his father was sick. And they brought him to the Apostle Paul and he healed him. And as a result of that great miracle, all the people who were sick on the island lined up and the power of God gave them release. Then in verse 10, the Apostle Paul and his people are getting ready to leave. 
He said they also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. I know this great ministry has great emphasis on loyalty and honoring leaders. And one of the things that will help those of you who are emerging as leaders is what I want to address this afternoon. A lot of churches are not growing because they dishonor the men and the women that God has called. You know, you can spend hours thinking you are praying you may think you are praying but some few days ago the Lord said to me Jehoshaphat prayed to the Lord God which means it is sometimes you can pray but not to the Lord let me give you an example. Here you are in a prayer meeting praying. Father, I ask you that you touch the heart of my uncle who has money in America. That you bring all his money to me. You see, you are not praying to the Lord. You are praying to your uncle who has money in America. Many of our churches, whether they are small-sized congregations or mega churches, are not growing because of dishonor. In this story we read, you realize that the barbarians of Malta were not the kind of people to honor the Apostle Paul. But they honored them. But then the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, A prophet is with honor except in his own country. In other words, you expect a prophet from Ghana to have honor. But in most places, he will have no honor except he's in Nigeria. You may want a man of God at Lighthouse to have honor. 
Sometimes he has to be honored in another ministry. I'm speaking on the subject honoring God called ministers and leaders. There are situations that confront ministers in the ministry, which is very alarming. There's a growing lack of honor for God called leaders and ministers. Many ministers feel very uncomfortable talking about their needs you see this subject it will take some of us to be able to preach it are you hearing what I'm saying and even when I preach it you, you may have to get somebody to come to your church to preach it because when you preach it your people have a different mindset but I'm in this conference to lift a lid out of your eyes and heart there are many churches that are blessed with dependable ministers and leaders but many church members and even those in leadership are insensitive to the challenges that many ministers face especially those who have labored for some time now this message I'm preaching is not for you who have just started ministry you don't demand honor and respect you earn it are you hearing me ministers labor among people with unrealistic expectations how can the church assist its ministers and reduce or minimize their pressure the answer is by honoring the ministers whom God has given the church but when I talk about honoring God's ministers there has to be a caution I'm not saying bring them to the place where they become called worship Sometimes these messages can be taken to the extremes. I'm cautioning you on that. Some people, after hearing the message, will make many excuses. Others will be moved by the revelation and information, but feel powerless to act on it. There are some of us 
we will be challenged to consider the issue seriously. But some will take action to honor their God called leaders. Hallelujah. Amen. I say hallelujah. Amen. See, sometimes where you labor may not necessarily be the place where you get your pay. This is one of the things many ministers have missed in their ministry. You may be pastoring an assemblies of God church. You may be pastoring a lighthouse church. But God will supernaturally design that your real payment and reward is coming from another source. Are you hearing me? I hope I can be of help to you today. For many years, I made up my mind. I made up my mind. I won't put up a house. I just want to preach. Any money you give to me, go win souls, hold crusades, plant church. There was a church in the U.S. that every year I'll spend three months in the church. I helped them to develop their home cells, and then the last two weeks I'll preach on Sundays. When our ministry was celebrating its tenth anniversary, without my knowledge, the pastor of that church and all his church board. It's a white church. They sent a delegation of two people to Ghana. And when they came publicly, they said, We've been sent by our church to come and build a house for Pastor Alfred and his family. Wow. They were under instruction not to give the money to me. Because the senior pastor said, when they give the money to me, I'll go and plant a church with the money. And they put up uh, almost about nine bedroom house for us. Wow. It was a house of faith. House of that built it but God has to use some other means to honor me are you hearing me so I will not go around discrediting house of faith because it is through that ministry's platform that gave me that divine connection mm. There is the agency in the church for honoring men and women 
that God has called over our lives. In the Bible, there are gifts that are given to the church. There is a gift of righteousness in Romans chapter 5 and verse 18. There is a gift of eternal life in John 1 and verse 12. There is a gift of grace in Ephesians 2 and verse 8. The gifts of the Spirit who are gifts in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Then we have the gift of leadership in Ephesians 4. And then there is the honoring of these leadership gifts which shows our appreciation to God for his gift to the church. You see, a gift is never a gift until it is, number one, received. Secondly, a gift is never a gift until it is well received. And so God, in his own wisdom, has given us men and women. They have their own flaws. They have their own weaknesses. But they have been anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost. So they oversee us. And we have to honor them. Before I give you the ways in which we are to honor them. In the book of Malachi, when you have time, do a survey of Malachi. In Malachi, he reveals to us the sins of Israel. Israel. Let me run quickly through for you. Their first sin was that they despised the Lord's name. Secondly, they defiled the offerings of God at the altar. Thirdly, they disregarded God's glory. Number four, they departed from God's word. Five, they demeaned God's covenant and holy institution. Then six, they divorced their spouses and partners in holy matrimony. Today, the church has become a center of divorce. Where we are supposed to be exemplary in our marital relationship to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Number seven, 
Then they also devalued the Lord's ordinances. Then in Malachi 3, they defrauded the house of God. Then they diminished the service to God. They became so destructive, deceptive, delusional, and demonized in their lifestyle. So with all these things I have outlined to you In Malachi chapter 1 verses God says If I am your father where is my honor These are the very same things that the modern day church Is involved in in trying to dishonor God our father and our earthly fathers and our spiritual fathers when you meet individuals who honor spiritual leaders you can see a reflection of their life peace and glory hallelujah amen we are told that when the apostle paul was in malta the natives honored them in many ways that, that is the verse in in, in acts 28 and verse 10 he said they also honored us in many ways so there are many ways to honor your spiritual leaders let me still repeat we're not talking about cult worship but giving them the respect that God wants you to give it to them. This message will bring you to the place of how to share in the eternal rewards of your pastor. The Lord Jesus said, anyone who gives one of these prophets a cup of cold water the prophet's reward will mm. be yours mm. jesus said it if you give one of these little my disciples whatever is their designed reward you shall be partaker of it the first way we honor our called ministers is that we honor ministers by respecting them in hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 verse 17 when we respect the office to which the minister has been called 
we are actually honoring God. The position is an honorable one. Their personalities are different. The past rate is a call of God. So when you begin to accord honor to God's servant, you are literally giving honor to God, your father. Are you hearing me? Oh, we honor them by respecting them. When we respect the humanity of ministers, we are honoring God. You see, he, preachers are people. Pastors and ministers aren't perfect angels they are simply men and women who have been saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ ministers and leaders are not angels ministers and angels are not supermen they are human beings whose lives have been tabernacled by the power of the spirit of glory in the majestic name of Jesus Christ ministers are men anointed by God and when we respect their humanity we are literally honoring God. Because there are many of us, we show absolute disrespect to God's leaders over us. You see, your spiritual leader may not have your academic qualification. Your spiritual leader may be younger in age than you. Your spiritual leader may not have the kind of wealth that you have. But once they are called by God, once they are anointed by God, once they are ordained by God, once the fire of God has invaded their vessels, they become God's men. They become God's women. Filled with fresh fire from above. And we must honor and respect their humanity. You go to certain churches where people spend hours upon hours to pray. They bind and they loose. They loose and they bind. But you don't see any measure of spiritual and numerical growth in those places. 
and kind kobia. And Musa asks you ask a question, why? And the answer is rooted in this honor. I talked to some of my pastors. And I said, because some of you don't honor spiritual authority. It's affected your ministry, it's affected your marriage, it's affected your money, it's affected everything of your life. And I said to them, there is a church I give oversight. It's in Belgium. I was in the church for two months with them. That is my kind of ministry. I go to churches, spend about six months in one church. That is my calling. Don't copy it. I said, don't copy. You follow yours. And so here I'm in this church for two months. Preaching, teaching, running a Bible training institute for them. And whilst I was finishing my course in the church, the senior pastor comes to me and says, Papa, whilst you'll be here for two months, everything that God has shown you and things your eyes have seen, myself and the leadership, we are open. Grant us the spiritual adjustment. So I had a meeting with the church board. And I said, the man who is the administrator of the church. And the guy was sitting there. A very lovely brother. I said... This is one of the causes for which your church is not growing. I remove you as the administrator of the church. And you are to be in charge of finance. And there is this medical doctor, a young lady who normally interprets me when I preach in English to French. He's doing her PhD. And I said, Angela, you take over as administrator of the church. And they all took it with a good heart. I left. Wait, 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 wait. Don't clap. You, you, don't be a Nigerian here. So I came back to Ghana. Bishop after two months, they called. He said, Daddy. Our membership has tripled. We have planted two new churches. And I said to the pastor, how did it come about? He said, through the administrative directives of Dr. Angela. Because they honored our input. 
The Holy Spirit also opens a way for that church to begin to experience a measure of growth. We honor God appointed men and women of God by respecting their humanity. Then, when we respect the families of ministers and leaders, we honor God. See, God has a high standard for ministers' family. First Timothy chapter 3. The standard for spiritual leadership and their family life is very high. Ministers are to set the example with their home. Do you know that in the Bible days, the criteria for being accepted as a bishop of a church we come to your house to determine how you manage your three children and your wife. And Paul says, if you cannot manage your wife and three children, how can you manage the church of Jesus Christ purchased by the precious blood where people are coming from different backgrounds with different ideas and different attitudes and different character traits. So the standard for ministers, leaders, and family life is very high. And as a result, we who are under their leadership must respect the minister and his family. You go to a lot of churches and the way they speak evil of the pastor's wife anything happening in the church the cause is the pastor's wife when the women's fellowship is not growing the root cause is the pastor's wife. When the youth ministry is not growing, the pastor's wife is the cause. Listen to me by the message of God this afternoon. We are to respect the families of our ministers, most especially their wives. There are many women who are married to preachers. Bishop, I'm speaking from my heart to you. They are so embittered about the church because it's like 
they have a rival. There are many pastors' wives, bishops' wives, all kinds of wives of men and women of God who feel that they are in rivalry with the church program, with the church, with the ministry. Their husbands have no time for them. It's all about work, 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 work. The pastor all day is at the office. He gets somebody at maybe 10 p.m. Then there is a telephone call. Pastor have to pick a car and run all the way to Aediase. And the woman sits in the house lonely. Stop destroying them and respect them. I'm talking about things that will make your church grow and be healthy. When you honor, respect the families of your pastors. I'm not here to boast. But house of faith, they respect and honor my wife. Church members dishonor God if they do not respect the minister's family. The minister's wife should be respected and honored. Most ministers' wives are overloaded, underappreciated, and unnoticed. They tend to suffer from loneliness. May we respect the privacy of the minister's family, love them, and accept them. Because, see, those of you who are in this meeting, some of you may not be preachers or prophets or leaders now but you don't know in the next few years ahead if Christ tarries where you find yourself let me give you this example it, it happened to some of my friends they were leaders deacons in the church and in 1974 our, our local church decided to enlist the services of a part-time pastor because they couldn't get a full-time pastor and pay him 
So this pastor they got was also a lecturer at the Bible College. Bible College. And so we went to a meeting to discuss how to remunerate this pastor we are enlisting his service. In the meeting, some of these my friends, they are older than me in age. They said, no, 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 we can't pay him. He already has a job somewhere where they pay him at the end of the month. And I said to them in the meeting, if you need the services of an accountant who is a GNTC, you come and work for you at maybe GB Olivant. You don't know Olivant, it's gone. Long time. <laughs> he comes on his terms. You can't tell him that because he's an accountant somewhere and he's receiving pay, so when he works for you, you won't pay him. Are you following what I'm saying? These people fought us in the meeting. And their word prevailed. Me, I no talk. I was an evangelist preaching. After five years, these friends, three of them, they all had a call into ministry. And they went to the Bible college. And they graduated after three years. I was then a missionary in Germany. Teaching at Christ for the Nations Bible Institute. And I came home for holidays and these three friends they all marched to my house whilst we are talking uh, Alfred, uh, 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 this church they, they are wicked they don't take care of us at all they don't take care of us at all our salaries are all way down it's no good Alfred, it's no good then I said to them, this one not in English, in three. Me say, mom, I buy a debobban and one a debotechi. When we were talking about our senior man as our part-time. You were the three musketeers who said, no, 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 we can't pay them. But now you are complaining. So what I'm talking about that you must respect these women. Yeah, yeah. I was talking about you. That now you are in. God bless you for coming. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that they should respect the pastor's wife. Now he's at peace. Hallelujah. Amen. So other I'm saying that some few years should come, you don't know where the call of God will find you. So today, honor God's men over you. Hallelujah. Amen. Have you got something there? 
The second way we honor men of God is by recognizing them. And it said, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. The Bible says, Know those who labor among you. Know them. Recognize them. And so, if we're going to respect and honor our God called women and men of God over us, we must recognize them. Ministers need recognition. Ministers who serve us deserve honor. They deserve respect for their contribution into our lives. The Apostle Paul talks about Epaphroditus. In Philippians chapter 2. Verse 25 to the end. He said this man you must receive him with high esteem. For his racist life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's labored and contributed into my welfare for your sake. There are leaders who are here today. And there are some leaders who are not here that you are under. You must honor them. By recognizing them. Ministers need recognition for the administration. Ministers need recognition for the administration. Recognition is an act of honor. When we recognize publicly our leaders and their work, we honor God and his work in our churches. During significant milestones in the life of our pastors, we must celebrate them. Let me still repeat the question. If you've just started and you are two years, three years, four years, five years, don't go and demand that they celebrate you. Are you hearing me? Last year, one of my pastors, one of my, he's my son, he's dear to my heart. Some years ago, he gave a prophetic word at our minister's gathering. And I wrote it in the front page of my Bible. He said in the prophecy, A servant has no voice of his own. And so last year, I told him that my, myself and my wife has been married for 40 years. Wow. And so whilst we are on vacation in America, 
We'll come to his church for them to pray for us. Do you know when we got there what he did? He and his board has taken over the program. Rented the most expensive hotel in that place. Invited people who know us from all over the world that we had no idea about flew them to the place they rented a limousine in fact that was the first time in my entire life that i've put on bow tie i normally don't put on bow tie i'm always with this you see me i'm a conservative british trained but that day i am in some bow tie and my wife was just like when i saw her And our children and our grandchildren were all there. Oh my God. When we walked through the hall. And the music, one of the music of my wife was being played. And I held my wife's hand and we are dancing. Hallelujah. Amen. But to cut a long story short, that my spiritual son was honoring me and my wife. When we finished, they gave us a check of $50,000. Wow. When your pastors, they are not in ministry for money. No, 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 no. They are in ministry to make sure that the revelation of Jesus Christ entrusted to them can be preached to change your life. That they disciple you, they mentor you, they pray for you, they equip you and release you in the name of Jesus. Amen. But once they have served God and served you, you must learn to honor and appreciate them. Wow. Are you with me? So, for any significant milestone in the life of your leaders, because it's not every pastor when you hand the church to him can lead it to a growing level. One of the men of God, I will not mention his name, he made a statement in a conference. He's an old Assemblies of God minister. By the way, I've mentioned his name. He's Reverend Ransford's father in the Lord. He said, if I give you a church with 50 people, if you can't add anything to it, 
when I'm coming for the church, give me the 50. There are some pastors you give them a church of about 100 people. After five years, the church comes to 10 people. Because they've not learned the art of public speaking. All their ministries insulting the congregation. Castigating them as if they are of no value. But listen to me, Pastor. Listen to me, church member. If you were the only person living in this world, Jesus would have come to die for you. So let's value the flock that God gives to us. Let's invest in their lives. Let's invest in their lives. And the Lord our God will cause us to be on it. The people, the barbarians, the natives honored Paul in many ways. But today what happens in our churches? Pastors and their families have become the... Kentucky fried chicken in people's dining table. Oh, yeah. When the deacon or the elder and his family are dinner, it is the pastor and his wife and children who are on the big plate. Saying all kinds of evil things about them. Now beloved, listen to me. In this loyalty and leaders conference. Yes, I know there are some crooked preachers around. We know there are false prophets and false apostles around. But there are equally genuine men and women of God over our churches. And we must honor them. Thank you, my brother. Bishop Saki will say, What a word! What a word! Saki is new. Who you who? Who no one can say, He's a great preacher. Wow. I, I, I love him. Wow. We must honor these men for their labor of love into our lives. Some of us, some years ago, we were nothing. Through this man's ministry, we got saved. We got baptized in the Holy Ghost. They mentored and discipled us. And now we are where we are because of the grace of God through them. Let's honor them. The third way we honor them. Are you tired? No. Wow, what you honor? 
Me and me preaching, me men catch us my bread. You hear no catch us my bread. Wow, do you want to have bread? Me be bubu baby abuolo. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, one of the things that have weakened the church is the fact that we have no patience for God's word. In the days of the Puritans, those who traveled from persecution in Europe to found America. And they settled on the eastern seaboard of the United States. They were farmers by profession. So Sundays, they go to farm very early. And by 10 o'clock, they are all home. And they organize themselves and their family and they go to the house of the Lord. Church service was from 11 a.m. till 9 p.m. When they are going, you go with your food, everything. They have initially two and a half hours of prayer. Then they have two hours of Bible studies. They will have one and a half hours to two hours of preaching the word. They have one hour of praying for the sick and casting out devils. Then they break for about one and a half hours for you to go and have your meal. And they return for the evening service at six. And it closes at nine. Because it is called the Lord's Day. But today, the church members are the leaders of the church. They tell the pastors how long we must stay inside. Oh, pastor, today the sermon should be just about 40 minutes because Kotoko is playing hard. Uh, uh, pastor, today it should be about 15 minutes because Barcelona is playing by a minute. Hey, the church of the 21st century. When you operate like this, you will not see the hand of God. You will see the fire of God. You will experience the visitation of God. Let the church be the church. I said, let the church be the church. Go back to the old fashioned way of seeking the face and the power of God's presence. Preach. Churches have become fashion parade centers. May God have mercy on you. May God have mercy on Alfred. The third way is that we honor ministers by rewarding them. By rewarding them. Remunerating them. First Timothy 5, 17 to 18. 
Churches should practice rewarding their ministers. Ministers do not enter ministry in order to make money or to receive rewards. When churches reward their ministers whom God has given it, God honors that church and ministry. I repeat that. When churches reward their ministers, when they honor their ministers, God honors that church. There are categories for rewarding our ministers. Let me run through quick for you appreciable salary and benefit annual reviews of the salary and benefits of our ministers groups that are designated to monitor the minister's salary determine the most honorable way of disclosure we must have a process for considering salary adjustments to deserving ministers our pastors must have sabbatical and extended leave the difference between african preachers and our brothers in overseas is that here rest is equal to sin we are an activity oriented society whenever we are in action that means we are doing something to please god the lord jesus christ after the apostles have gone for ministry when they came back to give their testimony jesus said to them come let us go to the desert a while and rest. There are times and seasons your pastor must be given a break. About uh, seven years ago, a church in Houston, Texas invited me. The pastor is my spiritual son. The invitation he brought. It means I'm preaching from Monday all the way to Sunday. So I prepared myself, I prayed, and then they brought the ticket and I went. He picked me from the airport. Drove me to the hotel. And then once we entered and we said a word of prayer for traveling mercy. Then he said, Daddy, you know I brought you some invitation. 
that you are preaching from Monday to next Sunday you're only preaching on Sunday we brought you that you can rest wow I look at him. I say, ah, why you be papa? Yes, we are. No, I know So Monday, I eat, I sleep, I eat, I sleep. Tuesday, I eat, I sleep. Till Saturday, Bishop. Then Sunday I had one service, miracle service. The power of God released miracles of healings and deliverances. And then after he put me in the hotel for another one week. When I was coming, they gave me a check of $10,000. Preaching for one hour. There are times these men and women that are laboring over you must be giving quality time to rest after this big conference like this you must you the elders of lighthouse this one is apostolic directives to you we have the bishop's one but this one is apostolic direction you go and tell pastor and his wife and the key people who are involved take about a week off Prince. you see <laughs> there are a lot of people in this city who for some years have not been seeing me yeah because many times you go around you don't see me do you know why? My ministry, to some degree, is a traveling ministry. Very demanding. So anytime I am home, sometimes, Bishop, for two months, I'm inside my house. I've not stepped out of the gate. Nothing called going to office. I'm with my wife in the house. Do you know why I'm saying this? Because some of you pastors have been so preoccupied with work, 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 work. Before your eyes will be opened, all your children have left home. They are gone to start their life. And you and your wife, you are like strangers in the same house. Now, what I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking from experience. As a young man, I'll go and do a crusade at Maule School. 
Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, do leadership. Sunday, climax the program. Go to whole technical. The following week, do the same thing. We are not called technical. Now, the third we go to whole nursing school. Do the same thing. If you are not called nursing school, not called Jumediokrona. And then sometimes Sunday early morning at about three a.m. I'll take off, drive all the way to come to Kumasi to be in the pulpit to preach. That is when we have started church. God used my own spiritual son to educate me. It's called Pastor Jeff Steffel. His church is Grace Family Church in Florida, Port St. Lucie. I've gone to help their church to become a missions church. So one morning he said we should go to the seaside to do Bible study so we went whilst we're talking he said uh, Pastor Fred I want to share something with you said my brother go ahead I'm here to be used by God to help your church in mission so you two what is inside you put it on me he said the Lord has shown me something why many ministers' marriages are failing? He said, number one, they have twisted the order. The order from God is number one, you and God. When he says you and God, it is your private devotional life with your heavenly father number two if you are married you and your spouse number three if you have children you and your children number four if you have a, a church you and the church. Number five. If you have family, extended family. You and your extended family. Number six. You and your friends. Number seven. You and God's work. Wow. All of a sudden it was like a scale had been removed from my eyes. And he said, Pastor Alfred, do you know what many pastors are doing? They are involving God's work and they think it is they and God. That is why many pastors don't do morning devotion because they think it is for the church members. That is why many pastors don't even read the Bible. They don't read the Bible. Ah, pastor, what are you saying? Many pastors don't read the Bible. They're only going to the Bible to get a sermon.
So by virtue of having nothing inside your spirit, it has so much affected their married lives. Our pastors and their wives must be given some decent break times where they renew and refresh their spirits, their soul, and their body in the presence of the Almighty God. When we are ordaining ministers, one of the charges we give that as a minister being ordained today, sometimes the most holiest thing you can ever do is to rest. So as a church, we must help them in that area. Amen? Vacations and holidays and retreats. Well-deserved rest. In some places when they have grown in the ministry and the churches can afford special arranged trips for ministers and their family. You Africans, the only thing that to travel is to go to America. You can pay for a hotel in the Votan region and ask Pastor Bruce and his wife to go and spend one week. Amen. When they come back, you yourself will know they are changed people. Yeah, I wrote it one time to my children. I enjoy my life, I enjoy my marriage, I enjoy my family. But three years ago, I was there and I told my wife, we're going to spend a week in a hotel. And I have an elder with a hotel. He said, Pastor, come. You don't pay anything. So we went for one week. And I sent a message to my children. It is the most precious time in my entire life. The church can honor is leaders by giving them vacation that is well deserved. Yes, See, see, Africans' are way of learning is crooked. Hallelujah. May God help you people to do more than we have done. Bishop Dyer has laid a platform, a foundation. Now you don't have to worry yourself about it. You just stand on it and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Let me just run fast. Just uh, jump. Go to the. Let's move to the other place. We, we, uh, the, the last portion on that sheet. We honor ministers by providing opportunities for continuing education. Help your pastors to upgrade themselves. Theologically and biblically. When young people come into the ministry, in our ministry, those who are very close to me, I invite you to my house. You come into my bedroom. And then, there is a door we pass through. And that is my library, my study. My library in Kumasi has close about 6,000 books. My library in Accra, Nungua, has close about 3,500 books. It's not just books for books sake. Some of the books are about 700 pages that I study. Leading a church, leading a ministry calls for periodic upgrading of your intellectual capacity by the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank God for books that have been written by Bishop Dark and books written by the man of God. But you must personally hear from heaven. And declare that says the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let the church, let the church help our leaders to have holidays and break to upgrade the education. You see, in every profession, they pay a high price. The only one that doesn't want to pay a high price is the ministry. One of my distant relatives, she finished uh, this school at Sopon. In fact, man girls. Finished sixth form at Ebri Girls. So, from girls. Went to do psychiatry nursing in England for three years. Worked for three years. Went to Czechoslovakia to do medicine. For seven years. Got married to a Czech Republic man. Then they moved to the U.S. When she presented her medical certificate. They are like toilet paper in America. So for her to do MD, he has to spend another seven years. Now he's a professor at George Washington University. Georgetown University in Washington. And Christy said to me, Alfred, Hallelujah. Amen. See, every field of work, people are paying a high price to really match up with the trend. 
But today, leaders of churches have nothing to do with theological and sound biblical education. They just read books that are written by people who never knew God anywhere, and it's written 21 steps to becoming a multi-billionaire. And for the past 20 years, you don't even have six dollars in your bank account. Men and women of God who are here. There is a meeting designed to equip and empower you. Let biblical education be a topmost priority. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank God. I'm also preaching to myself. I hope you are following what I'm talking about. I may not finish. I can put it down. You take the outlines home because we don't have another subject to teach. But if you have time, me too, I have time. The only thing is that I have to go for prayer meeting because I need to pray today. Oh, thank God. Bishop, God bless you for this meeting. Let's give a hand to the Lord for them. All of them, yeah. So, some of the money, you go and buy things that are of no use, you can buy some of these packages. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's move to number D. D. We honor ministers by remembering them. Remember those who rule over you. Remember those who communicate the word of God to you. Remember those who lead you. Follow their faith and their example. Consider their conduct. Share in all good things with them. Remember them by praying for them. Supporting them materially. Things worth remembering. We must be remembering the achievements of our leaders. Remembering their faith and lifestyle. We must remember their contribution into our lives and ministry. Remember their legacy. Remember their testimony. Remember their character. Their faithfulness. And their sacrifices. You see, today we are talking about churches giving you good pay. I've been spoken to Doug about this, but I know it's about every man of God. Some of us started churches for over 20 years. We didn't know anything called salary. We sacrifice what will come to us to make sure churches are planted that people can get a place to pastor. So you must remember these men and women for their sacrifices into your life. Nehemiah is speaking to God. He said, God, you know. 
all my sacrifices the salary and benefits due to the governors i never took it hallelujah amen some of these men use their own resource that god gives to them to make sure that you can have a place of ministry to bring glory and honor to christ so we must remember them amen when you are making plans for christmas have your pastor and his wife and children's name on your list Number E, we honor ministers by resourcing them. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was resourced. Luke 8, 1 to 3. Paul and his team were resourced in Malta, Acts 28. His ministry was resourced by the Philippian church. Loyazinas and the Bible teacher Apollos were to be resourced by the church in Crete. Nehemiah was resourced by the king. Workers were resourced in the book of Ezra. King Solomon was resourced by his father David. When you read First Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, he's talking about Solomon. David is speaking to the nation. He said, God, I've chosen my son. But he's inexperienced to be the king. So he surrounded him with elders. If you're a pastor here, listen to me. You may not have the educational and intellectual capacity yet don't feel threatened by educated people use them to circle you and it will compensate for your deficiencies hmm. yeah, one of my pastors in the u.s his educational background is middle school. Now, after about 10 to 12 years, he has a church with about 500 people. He's a highly anointed musician, minstrel, prophet, and healing minister. But you will never know that he has middle school. His church board is made up of doctors, lawyers, engineers, architects. And that compensates for his deficiency. But here we have a pastor in the church. God has brought doctors and lawyers and engineers and administrators to him. He has silent all of them. Hmm. 
the church can't move forward. And every prayer meeting, they are casting out and cursing the witches and the wizards. Pastor, I want to say this to you with all humility. You are your own witch. God has brought them to your doorstep. Some people are praying for the things you are taking for granted. Yeah. Because it's lighthouse that is organizing this, we can use them as river. Somebody somewhere in another ministry is praying that you become a pastor in lighthouse, and you you've got a lighthouse church to pastor, and you are fooling about. Some are under persons who are exploiting them financially and materially. You are under a bishop who has sacrificed everything to get churches across the world, and you are fooling about. We are in this city. Some of us were born here. I mean, we are born in this town. I was born, bred, and battered here. We've done ministry for churches all over the place. Only God knows how many Assemblies of God churches were raised through our crusades. But it takes this man from Lighthouse to honor me, Reverend Dr. Steve Asante of Asqua Baptist and Reverend Ransford Obing. When I had not even preached one sermon for him. Bishop, please sit down. Are you following what I'm talking about? We are in times where honor must be lifted up on high. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. Please, you can sit down. Wow. And there are some things about honor you have no idea about. If my wife were to be here, I'll call her to stand and he'll testify. Every day we pray in our house, we pray for you. Wow. As for Bruce, I pray for him once in a week. <laughs> but from today, I'll be praying for him every day. But as for you and Dr. Forsen, you know, it's through Dr. Forsen I go to know doc, uh, Pastor. I Forsen, a great man. Great man of God. Wow. God bless you. He takes care of me and my wife. 
Yeah. I didn't know him. We took my wife to a confinement. In the night. This precious man stands by my wife. Doing everything. And I'm looking at him. And he will not also expose himself. After he's done everything. Daddy, uh, I'm glad to see you today. I hear you on Spirit FM. And then we are talking and he says, your son was my senior at Presec. But all that I'm saying is that this man, this man, their ministry will always blossom. The way they respect senior ministers of the gospel. When people will say all manner of stupid things of things they have no idea about. May God have mercy on all of us. May we learn to honor them. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We honor ministers F by receiving them. To receive means to welcome them, accepting them gladly, having special interest in them, deliberate and ready reception, giving and offering them access, giving and offering them assistance, receiving without reserve, admitting them with approval, making room for them. A prophet has no honor in his own country, in his own church, in his own ministry, in his own fellowship. Except other places. May it not happen under your ministry. Amen. When Jesus made that statement, what he's saying is that a prophet must carry honor. Simple as that. I repeat, you're not worshiping him. Only God is to be worshipped. You're respecting him. If you read about Jesus Christ, he visited his own country. He taught his own people. He ministered in their synagogues. His people were astonished at his ministry. They questioned the source of his wisdom and miracles. They questioned his relations. Familiarity breeds contempt. Jesus touched on the subject of honor. And to the people, unbelief was the root of dishonor. Let's move to the next page. We must note well what is the contrast between those in Malta and the uh, people 
in Jesus' own place. In my view, people who are supposed and expected to honor the Lord Jesus Christ dishonored him through unbelief, resulting in deprivation. But in Acts 28, those who are supposed and expected to dishonor Apostle Paul and his team, they honor them through open-heartedness, resulting in marvelous provision of healing. And so I ask, child of God, is there any lesson for you and for me? Let's move to G. We honor ministers by recommending them. You see, one of the best ways to rec- uh, 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 honor a minister. We are in a meeting. Planning for a major leadership conference. And they are asking for speakers. And then Dr. Okna from Paul said, we need to have Bishop Bruce. Some of the people on the meeting, they don't know even who Bruce is. And Douglas spoke very highly of this man. So he's one of the speakers. It's a way of honoring the man of God. I'm preaching in an Assemblies of God church in Columbus, Ohio. This is the largest African-based church in the state of Ohio. The pastor did not finish middle school. He's all service to men of God. Helping God's people. One day he's working in McDonald's kitchen. In the city of Houston, Texas. Oh, America, The Holy Ghost came to him in the kitchen. Holy Ghost, he can come to you any place. In your bathroom, in the toilet, any place he can come. So he came to the kitchen. The Bismarck. You said that that man of God. You've helped them. Now is the time for me to start using you. Get out of the kitchen. Travel to the city of Columbus, Ohio. It's about 23 hours by driving. And there, go and start a church. The guy doesn't know Ohio. So he picked his car. He tenders his resignation. Picked the wife and two children at that time. They drove 23 hours to Columbus, Ohio. He's driving on a road called Cleveland Avenue. He turns right. And there is a shop rating Kumasi Central Market. So he pass in front of it. Walks in. And the lady who owns the shop is my spiritual daughter who started our church in New York, New Jersey, and Ohio. 
Yes, so I saw one mobile or share or New Jersey, Ohio. It's called Doris. A friend of Doris. Tremendous woman of God. So yeah, The pastor goes to her. Mama, I'm from Texas, and uh, the Lord has sent me here to start a church. And then he asked, Do you go to church? He said, Yes. Uh, my, my father is Pastor Fred Namiche, House of Faith. He said, He's my father too. So she gave him a basement to start prayer meetings. To cut a long story short, last year was 15 years. Their church building seats about 2,000 people. The building, myself and the head of Assemblies of God Worldwide, Dr. Wood, went to dedicate it. It cost them $7.5 million. Now he has churches all over the U.S. Just about six years ago, he took close to about, I think, $1.5 million to start a church in Atlanta, Georgia. Took a deacon from their church to be the pastor of the place. Now that church is running over 300 to 400 people. When the church was celebrating their 10th anniversary, the choir in Atlanta chartered an aircraft to come to the celebration. Wow. I'm speaking in his church. On the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Our Jesus. Professor Frempon Manson, Assemblies of God head in Ghana, is there. The head of Ohio State Assemblies of God, Brother Wooten, is also there. I finished preaching, I'm in the pastor's office changing myself. Professor Frempon Manson comes to the office. Followed by Reverend Wooten. Not Reverend so He calls me Daddy. Daddy. The Assemblies of God, the whole of Ohio, they want you to come and speak to 1,200 of their pastors and their wives and church elders. So Reverend Wooten is asking me if they invite you, will you come? And I said to Dr. Frimpoma, what did you tell him? <laughs> I told him that once it's a leading of the spirit, you will come. I said, this one is not leading. No. This one is in the book. <laughs> to cut a long story short, they sent me a ticket. I flew there last year in Cleveland, Ohio to have this conference and I have left the place. I didn't know the results. Just, I'm just coming from that church. So free as a free when I got there, pharmacist in the church came to me and said, Daddy, Dr. Wooten came to our church here. He says the way God has used you to affect the pastors in the sense of God, Ohio State. 
next year they are coming with their letter first mm. i give you this testimony just for you to understand what it means by honoring god's servants by recommending them Professor Frimpon Manson recommended. Professor Manson, Are you following what I'm saying? And my prayer to you to God for this meeting. It's been so designed by the grace and will of God that you can have things spoken into your life that when we started ministry, never had it. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. In our days when we started, nobody will have a conference for you because the one to do the conference for him himself is in trouble he needs help today by the grace of God ministries can shoulder financial burden and put together meetings like this for you they gave you outlines right they gave it to you i didn't know the number who were coming here so i told my boy just print 200 it's free i I don't take money for this we want you to go and be a better leader than we have been don't you dare fail god and christ May the anointing of God fall on you. In the mighty name of Jesus. May there be a divine impartation. A release of the fire of the Holy Ghost. In the mighty name of Jesus. May you rise up with wings like an eagle. Moving with fire and great burden. Ministering the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. The son of the living God. Please be seated. God bless you. I will just be think coming to the close, you know. Um, the apostles chose Barsabas, Judas, and Silas by commending them. Paul commended Timothy's ministry. Senior ministers must be able to recommend young ministers who have integrity. Paul commended Epaphras. John commended Demetrius' testimony. The final way is we honor ministers by reassuring them. We're told in Thessalonians that 
The greater way to encourage spiritual leaders and ministers is to live at peace among ourselves. All of us who are here today and are members of local churches, it doesn't matter the size of your congregation. Let me tell you something. Every big thing you see today started very small. Thirty years last June. I sat in my living room with my wife, my wife's elder sister, and the husband. To have Bible studies Sunday afternoon. From four to six. And out of that four of us meeting. After one month, it grew to 60. And out of it, in 30 years, House of Faith is a worldwide ministry. Wow. Every big thing you see today, Bishop Dad did not start overnight. You see, one of the problems of we Africans is that because we didn't have access to high-tech technology and other things, most of the things we do are not recorded. If you know where they started from, the tears they have shed before God, and even at times when they felt that they have mixed God, when I started our first church first Sunday 15th of June 45 people the next Sunday 35 after one month we were 20 my wife asked me but you said God spoke I said if you judge by number he did not speak but you judge by the spirit and the power of God he has spoken you know something about God in leadership sometimes he has to prune the number to get the real and genuine and they became the center of building the work today sometimes i hear pastors crying some people have left my church pastor they've gone to this church they've left them going here that's why you crying don't you know your bible the pastor who was conceived by the holy spirit in john chapter 6 he lost his congregation he was left with 12. the lord jesus when he was doing the signs and the wonders the miracles the provisions the healings the raising of the dead his congregation could not meet in a building they meet in the wilderness in the wilderness 
Over 10,000 will gather. He was feeding them. Healing them. Delivering them. Then one day he got up. So today we come to the fundamentals of what we're going to build as a church. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Somebody at the back raise his hand. Hey, man of God! Are you now an animal eater? This kind of teaching we don't like. We are gone. My Bible says in John chapter 6 from verse 66, from that day, all the disciples forsook him. If you measure only growth with numbers, you will miss it. Tomorrow what I'll teach you see. When we talk of church growth, it's a very big thing. So they left him. Now he's left with 12. And out of the 12 to 1 is Satan's agent. If it is you, and you have a revelation, that one of your church board members is an agent of Satan. He is going to be your sermon for next Sunday. <laughs> Let us start with Jesus. You see, if Jesus sack Judas, it will create more mess. But he also allowed Judas himself to sack himself. Sometimes in the ministry, your leaders, they see things. But in order not to rock the boat, they behave as if they are blind. People will tell them, Pastor, this man, sack him from the church. Pastor, Amu will not sack you today, he won't sack you tomorrow. You will sack yourself. So nobody will blame him. So he comes to the twelve. Will you also not go away? If it is you, you start changing your sermon. Peter said, To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Me ben frisia bed ya nan sun kon otie ni Jesus anti they say me ko me ko carpenter wa raga na say me dey ye bo hot say meter hallelujah amen we have no place to go we have come to taste of Christ that is the son of the living god in him is life and that life is the light of man hallelujah amen but then now today all over the world the church is a global movement so we must reassure our leaders by being at peace with one another don't become a subject of contention in the church i'm just closing here listen i'm closing here but I feel led to share this with you. 
I got born again at Grace Baptist Church. I was not a church goer. My father is from the Anglican tradition, but he goes to church once in five years. Our house, we have two houses in Fantuno Town. The main one was next to the Anglican Cathedral, where the cathedral is. NTR 68. NTR means New Town Ejusu Road. That's a house number on NTR, New Town Ejusu Road, 68. So, one of my friends that we did accountancy together. He said to me that he's now become a Christian. And that they are having a baptism service for him. And he's inviting me. And I said, Do you have a swimming pool in the church? Because I know that baptism, they do it in the river. That's from secondary school religious knowledge. So we went to the service. I was seated at the back. And they had a baptistry at the top. They had the baptism. And my fascination was just with the pool. I never had any plans that something can happen to me. Everybody knows me. Then, a very medium sized man. When I say short, you will be offended. So, medium sized man. That's a papabia. Uh-huh. He started preaching. And this man is saying things as if he lives in my house. And I don't know anybody in that church. This my friend can't tell him things because the things I do, he doesn't know. Before Mr. Kwanza, now Reverend Kwanza, retired. Will give an altar call. I am from the back. Walk through the aisle. Knelt in front of him. Tears were all over my face. My shirt was wet. Calling upon God to have mercy. On. He prayed for me. Then they handed me over to Mrs. Christina Abankwa. Austin, you must know her. You he was teaching biology at Presec. Somebody know Mrs. Christina Abankwa answer. She took me through the ABCs of salvation. And I had the assurance that I'm born again. Three months after. God calls me into ministry. The first week, the first week to the second week, two weeks of my conversion, I read from Genesis to Revelation. Wow. 
Sometimes in a year, I've read the Bible about five times. My mother will finish meals, call for me, and say, Mama, close it. I am on my Bible. So I started traveling around the country. From secondary school to secondary school. Holding crusades. Central region. Western region. Greater Accra. Volta region. Eastern region. Northern region. Went everywhere. Went to Germany to be a missionary for four years. Came with my wife. My heart's desire was to be an evangelist in the Baptist. Because I believe in loyalty. It was something of my father. But those days, the Baptists did not believe in the Holy Spirit, in miracles, in signs. They didn't believe in anything. And I'll be doing miracle services and people are getting healed. And then they'll be criticizing me. So I talked to my wife. I said, I don't want to be the subject of contention in the church. So I sent a short letter to the chairman of our church board and I said, I would like to have a meeting with the board. My spiritual father was a senior pastor there. The one who baptized me, the one who married me, he was the senior pastor. So we went to the meeting. And I told them that by virtue of things that are happening, I want to ask permission with your blessing to live with my wife. One of my very good friends who was in the meeting, he raised up his voice and he said, Fred, but you see, the Bible talks of people enduring persecution. Then I said to him, this is foolish persecution. Uh, if it's today, I won't say it that way. But those days, uh, so, long story short, I left with my wife. Heaven is my witness. It was the most painful decision ever taken in my life. Because all my friends were built around the Baptist. I was a radio evangelist. Every Sunday, Ghana had only one radio. And where three people were preaching on radio. We have Hosea, our station choir, and our associate, Dr. Isaac Abebio. Then you have Church of Christ and then Baptist Hour. The Baptist Hour was being conducted by my spiritual father and they handed it over to me. In those days, letter writing was very fast in Ghana. Every Tuesday, our office in Accra, Tessano, received over 6,000 responses to people giving their hearts to Christ. And this thing now, I am leaving it. But knowing, knowing God has something. The good news is that 
I now preach in more Baptist churches than any other church around the world. End of June. Grace Baptist will be celebrating their 50th anniversary. I was there three days ago when they brought me a letter to come and speak on the subject, I will build my church. Today they speak in tongues more than Pentecostal people. <laughs> they do deliverances more than Lighthouse. <laughs> All that I'm trying to say today in this message is that churches can grow. Churches can be healthy. Churches can experience the power of the Almighty God when we begin to honor and respect the God called men and women who are over us. Stand on your feet, please. I hope you have learned something. I'm going to pray with you a short prayer. Tomorrow, God willing, when I finish, allow me to do ministry for them. I'm highly privileged and honored for you having me here. It is not you who is privileged. It is Alfred who is highly privileged. Dr. Billy Graham, you've heard of his name? What's it, Dr. Billy Graham? Did? He was a great evangelist that spoke to over 500,000, some places, 1 million people. And during his crusades, he used to have another man who would do the seminar, the teaching. And the man was called Mr. David Duplessis. He was popularly called Mr. Pentecost. He brought Pentecostal revival to South Africa and many nations. So during this particular crusade, they sent a word to Billy Graham that there were about 700,000 people in the stadium. And Billy Graham with excitement said to Dr. Plaisir, you said there are 700,000. And there was no excitement in the face of the David to And Billy Graham, are you not happy? He said, it is you who have to have it because you are evangelist. You know me? The greatest joy is that every morning I'm speaking to 2,500 pastors. And most of the pastors are handling churches with over a thousand people. So eventually, I'm speaking to more than one million people. Hallelujah. Amen. Rejoice when God raises your brother or your sister. Don't be envious when they have a fruitful ministry. Bless God for them. Because you also have your grace from God. Sometimes there's something in ministry, if we're doing some essential living, it's called God putting you on the shelf. 
You know, when you are doing a six form program, and you go to the city library, and you pick a chemistry book, and the calculations inside is for people in third year university. Do you tore the book? No. You put it on the shelf. When you get to third year university, you come for it. Many times that's what God does to us. Sometimes for four or five years, you are a pastor, but it seems you are not even in the system. Nobody calls you. You are on the shelf. When God works inside you and he's through, people will run for you. Because now the things inside you can affect lives. Raise your hands to God. Raise your voice and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your living word. Thank you for this conference. Thank you for our bishops. Thank you for bishops. Thank you for divine direction. Thank you for, divine direction. Thank you for vision. In the name of Jesus. Now quietly I'm praying for you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the grace bestowed upon us through this teaching. It is you, Christ our Lord, who said, a prophet is with honor in any place he goes except in his own country. Together with the gathering, we repent of sin. We repent of the spirit of rebellion and arrogance. And we make a commitment from today that we will value and cherish our leaders, their wives, and their family. Father, cause a transformation in our ministry leadership. Grant us supernatural grace that we'll be more humble and patient with divine workings. I pray for all other men who are speaking in this conference. Anoint them with revelation from your spirit. May we have an impact in your people's lives. That if Jesus should tarry, the next generation of Christian leaders will do far more than we have done. We thank you for the bishop of this house. And for all the bishops of Lighthouse City who brought this meeting together. That they can equip other young and emerging ministers. May grace and favor be upon them. Provide every need of their lives. And may they know that their sacrifices for the heavenly kingdom will never be in vain. Bless us. And bless us for the next meeting that we will have. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Bishop, this is how far I've come. Do you know me? Do you know me?